Alright, welcome to that fucking review show, the show where three assholes watch a movie and give you their opinion about it. I'm your host, Velvet Thrust. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> welcome to that fucking review show, the show where three assholes watch a movie and give you their opinion about it. I'm your host, Velvet Thrust. I am James Marsden, and unlike my characters that I play, my girlfriends never cheat on me. And I'm Ryan. I don't want to do that. <laughs> it's staying now. It's no, staying I don't want to do that. That's shitty. James Marsden. James Marsden. Every movie that James Marsden is in, his significant other oh, is always leaving him or cheating on him with somebody else. <laughs> That's a pretty good one, though. I guess. It's, it's just like, it's a, like you know, um, Death at a Funeral, um, uh, X-Men. Oh, that's a big yeah. one. Uh, Superman. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. Those, that's all I've done with his entire life. Hedgehog. Enchanted. He's a single... Broke up with his girlfriend. Enchanted. Yeah. Yeah. Enchanted, yeah. Patrick Dempsey. Yeah. He's just, that's his life. Yeah. You know, uh, I don't know why. There was oh, a... Westworld. Dolores uses him and dumps yeah. him. Yeah. Something about James Marsden. He's just got a... He's a, such a, a nice guy, but... A face that you don't care if you break his heart. All right, so what are we reviewing today, folks? We are reviewing uh, George Romero's... Romero's. Got that back when I said Romero. Romero. Romero's Dawn of the Dead, which is the second installment in his dead franchise uh preceded by night living dead which is total classic which we could have reviewed that too but you know we got to pick one yeah so we chose dawn of the dead um and um you know our belated halloween special yeah i would call this one well and it's great because like this is a belated halloween special and our pilot is also belated because it's still not up yet at That's the time true, of yeah. recording yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 but um and uh, yes, and the original, not 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 the 2004 Zack Snyder version, which is also a very good film. I like it, yeah. But I mean, no, it's got Ving Rhames in it. Who, do you, who doesn't like Ving? Who doesn't like Ving Rhames? You're right, right. I can't think of a single person I've ever met. I don't think I, I don't <laughs> think I know a single bad Ving Rhames movie. Even that other one, the about the used car salesman. Oh right? yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the goods, goods. Yeah. The goods. yeah, that was actually really. That good was too. a good one. He yeah. was funny. I saw that movie recently. It yeah. is not bad. It is pretty funny. It just you know, but if Ving Rhames wasn't in that movie. It would have felt different. We, we wouldn't even be talking about it right now. No, well, he had a, he had this beautiful arc where he was trying to find love. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, that's his character. He brought his mumble speech straight, <laughs> straight to that film, and he sold the shit out of it. Anyway, yes, the original Dawn of the Dead, nineteen seventy-eight. So, uh, what did everyone think about it? Uh, it's one of my favorite films of all time. So you know, I think pretty highly of it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I think probably the the first and most recognizable part about that movie is the huge contrast in colors that they use. Um, and I don't know enough about the history of film to really say one way or the other, but I suspect that this has to do with the transition from black and white into color films. And, you know, it was a new technology or a new approach. And so everyone was going ham with it. I like to call it excitovision. Um, yeah. I, and I think that might be a phrase, but I know I definitely got it from mad TV. Um, <laughs> but uh, I love it. I think that there's like a, a beautiful, uh, contrast and everything that they have in there. Um, and so that was the first recognizable thing to me about it. Uh, outside of that, it's a great film. I mean, every character that's in there has got their little quirks that make them unique. And while I'm not entirely sure that any arc is, you know, truly beautiful, um, because that's also not like the focus of the film. It's not really that big of a deal, I guess, but just the interaction of all these uh, characters in the movie, um, in the story, uh, really, I think, strikes at the human condition. Um, I think it's great. Um, Flyboy Steve is like, you know, this uh, 
I don't know, like this American idea of uh, the machismo. Like he's he makes the calls, he makes the decisions, and he's taking his girlfriend with him on this helicopter, and she doesn't have a say. Um, but he's also kind of like a a skilled corporate kind of guy so like he actually has no idea what he's doing he doesn't know how to wield a gun he does not know how to defend himself in this world um even though he has this idea this uh, attitude that he he can do it he can survive and he finds out very quickly that he can't um which is a great juxtapose between him and uh what is it roger and then peter the uh mm. two swat guys um where they're both you know super skilled at what they do and like they could probably handle the apocalypse and obviously you find out that they don't do so well with it because you know things break down um my god this is a really shitty thing to say but i can't remember the woman's name and i wanted to point out the amount of misogyny uh, in the francine. film francine francine yeah right. so what's great about that character i think is um she's trying to have her voice heard throughout the the bulk of the film and they don't want to hear it you know and then like she finally has her moment where she's going to be a part of whatever it is they're doing they're like okay you know you're right and then she becomes an active role in their uh, quest for survival. Well, well, there's some deep social commentary going yeah. on in this movie. Yeah. And you could probably say that throughout all of uh, George Romero's dead films. There's always something going on that's yeah. a little deeper than what you're seeing. You know, a little bit more under the skin. And uh, you can throw that in there with the, you know, the, the only woman in the group is, you know, the one that's, you know, just sort of making the home right yeah and she's pregnant and doesn't get you know enough to do but ends up you know spoiler alert which yeah so whatever i mean the movie's old enough who's old enough (laughs) she's one of the only you know survivors left you know she you know goes through it and hit and 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 comes out the other side yeah we don't know where they're going afterwards but but even in the beginning when they're clearing out the the zombies in that apartment building in like the it's like a really yeah, broken yeah, down part of the building, really guys, yeah. bad part of the neighborhood but it's like more saying like you know kind of touching upon you know the you know urban housing and you know minorities living in there and just kind of the government going in and just taking them out you know there was something about that scene whenever i rewatched it and i was thinking about it um like right at the beginning of the movie and there's that dude uh he's he's a swat cop and like he's going on with all these racial slurs and stuff and he's like we're going to get him just shoot them all you know this whole thing and it made me think of that phrase like what is it violence violence for violence is the rule of beasts mm-hmm. and i think that was like that was for Roger and Peter that was the moment that for those characters that you know all right we are on the wrong side of history right now like you know i get it there's this this epidemic but like clearly the motivations for handling this epidemic are not uh are not not virtuous they're not Mm. they're not just um and that's why they go off and do their own thing kind of interesting we're talking about an epidemic and the virtues of trying to deal with it right now yeah Um, yeah makes perfect yeah you know not that this is anything like the zombie apocalypse but uh there's some parallels maybe but um but but plot wise right like so all the dead movies are connected it's all same universe yeah same universe but you know they're not like direct sequels to each other no right so you know, Night of Living Dead, obviously, you know, is a different story. And what a Dawn of the Dead takes place, what, what it takes place, even though the movies are like a decade apart in reality. Yeah, it basically picks right up. But it picks right, you know, or maybe they kind of merge, you know, you know, this was, it's the movie, Dawn of the Dead starts, you know, towards the middle of the mo- Night of Living Dead movie or, or something, you know. But, um, because I know at the end of the Night of Living Dead, they had all the rednecks go out and they start, you know, 
yeah. cleaning up the bodies and shooting zombies mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And there was a scene in Dawn of the Dead where they were passing all that. You know, there was a, there was a really good scene. All the rednecks having a yeah. great time, yeah. getting drunk, and just like, oh, there's one over there, boom, boom, boom. You know, and laughing about it. So I don't know if that that if that was connected in some way, but um, yeah, no, no, yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't, eh, no. Yeah, acting like it's Pride and Prejudice, like it's some like, deep enthralled thing. It's a B movie at a bad time. No, I think it's more important than for that. For me, for me, I found myself. So, all right, plot-wise, the point A and point B portion of it makes sense to me. The deep-rooted characters and all that stuff, eh, it. I, I, I it's hard it's hard for me to get into it only because of the fact that now those characters are such cliches that you don't realize at the time that you're watching it they were cliches so I try to watch it objectively like all right you're making a movie you're making a Essentially, it is a B horror movie. Yeah, but it was a pioneering. But like, a pioneering. So B- we have yeah. those cliches. Yep. No, I mean I understand. We have those coming, cliches. Yeah, from, from it's there. hard to get past that for sure. So yeah. I, I try to take myself out objectively with the film. I, I like that they have some character growth, but for some reason, because I'm a big fan of Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. Like I actually, I love that movie. I love the cinematography. I love the tricks he pulled. I love everything. The music he had in it. I f- even though this one is pioneering, and if I take myself out of the the well, so is Night of the Living Dead, right? Yeah. yeah. So like, even though this one's like, all right, it's in color. It's like, it's got a subs a story. It's dealing with certain social issues, but I do get it deals with certain social issues at the time, like you know the crime rate in in, in Philadelphia and Chicago that was going up in New York's crime spree in the seventies and stuff like that. Like, I get where they were coming from. And there are things that I really, really like. Like the fact that it just starts and you know it like they're already in the middle of it. Yeah. So it's not like a oh the virus outbreaks and then you everybody's running for their lives. People have already been running for their lives mm-hmm. for weeks now. Yeah. Where this picks up. My big problem is is the plot the like their plot device is sound but they tried to make characters deep and they did it in such a kind of cheesy like at that point those kind of things had been done before kind of like this cheesy wholesome way and mostly for me that pieces didn't fit so like characters like the flyboy yeah. right fits in relation to the TV scene. Like, I'm going to get you out of here. Yeah. But then has that turnaround and you realize he's not really that good. He's just kind of like a cool dude. Okay, cool. But then never grows from that except for like shoehorn at the very, very end. When, is it Peter who gets bit? Mm. And when they're doing the truck? Roger. Roger's the one that gets yeah, bit, right? Roger, Who's yeah. doing the truck. When he, when he gets bit in the truck, that's when Flyboy kind of flips a little bit. And even when he flips, he's still not getting it like he's just like he, he's getting the gist that okay i have to listen to what peter peter says to do and peter's got peter's my favorite character yeah peter like, is peter, by far the, yeah, the best peter character. is by far my favorite yeah and so is she because she plays francine, her yeah. francine plays her role brilliantly yeah. like she actually had a good arch i was more invested in what was going to happen with her and the baby and all that stuff yeah. her being pregnant and what would happen to her because she had an actual like real world Oh, like, her motivations were rooted. Yeah, they yeah. were very rooted and grounded. And Peter 
was very rooted and grounded too because he's seeing all this stuff happening and he's like you can see he's teetering on breaking but he keeps rolling he back. does yeah, yeah, yeah really yeah. that was like, one of the cool things like he sees what's happening to the to the people that he's with but he's like obviously it's out of control for him so he rolls with it yep just to you know and I, I like that he was like a very rock character but then you have Roger who's it's the strangest it's it's just like doesn't make any sense like at first he's kind of agreeing with that racist dude on the rooftop kinda where he says oh yeah we'll get him and like he talks to the new recruit and just tells him like keep the head down yeah. and whatnot. And then all of a sudden you realize like, oh, okay, he's a good guy. Like he's actually good hearted. And then it he's it's just it for him. Like it's just plateaued. And then he has that moment of like mental where he's losing his mind kind of yeah. and he's kind of like getting too into the killing. But that's only briefly touched upon. And then he's bit and he's like dead. And I get where Romero was going with it. He was trying to do it as grounded as possible. But I think I think his his ability to put char- his ability to root I feel like he had way too many characters, way too many concepts to deal with. Not characters, concepts. Uh, so, maybe, yeah. You know I, what can, I, mean? like, I can see where you're coming from. He had like mind. the 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 outbreak itself, and what it would actually physically look like if people were just losing yeah, their shit. Yeah. And then he has these characters trying to survive, and what they would encounter as they try to survive. And then he has what mentality they would be going through, and what changes they would be going through yeah. from where they started to where they ended. And then he had to deal with the mechanics of the world and the zombies and then he had to deal with planning out how they use the plot device which is the mall and that gang at the end as like oh we were going to talk about that gang yeah. by the way <laughs> as, a, as, a, like, as a push forward yeah yeah and I think he was so he's very focused on the social commentary because you could tell with the interviews in between yeah. where the guy's telling him people are stupid and they don't listen sound familiar and stuff like that like I think that was super rooted, but I think his problem is, is in trying to, not subvert expectation, but trying to make a statement. He kind of got cheesy, unintentionally, because you could tell he got, you could tell at certain points he's trying to be serious. Like this is a big moment, like the gang breaking in, and all of a sudden the musical score does not match. Well. So who did Anything. the music on? It's Electric Goblin or something like that, I think. <laughs> yeah, it's something, yeah, something yeah, like that. Yeah. Um, but like there are moments that like the, the music in the beginning with the with the with the like there's too many theme shifts. The goblins. The goblins. And Dario the and Dario Argento. The Dario Argento? Yeah. He's like it, it almost feels like he could he he himself when watching the film and discussing it with Romero, the themes were too clashative. See, I man, I I can see where you're coming from yeah. uh, because there's this weird juxtapose between um, what the the film is what the, well not what the film is what the story is what's happening in it and the music mm-hmm. and I think that that was intentional because I, I feel point. like yeah, I agree. the whole thing is um, I don't know if, if satire or if it's ironic I don't know what word to use but like I like I, the way I view it is that there's these group of people and they're like, oh man, we got to get out of here and the world's never going to be the same. And all they do is try to live like the world is the same. And that's not all of them. Like, I mean, yeah. like Flyboy and Roger, definitely. Um, and I think like that whole thing where he starts losing his mind yeah. and becomes an adrenaline junkie um, is a throwback to that first scene when he's like, we're going to go in there and we're going to do this job. And then he realizes that the, or not this job, like he's a hitman, but he's like, we're going to go in there and, you know, be the SWAT team. Yeah. Because that's what we're here to do. And then he realizes that's not right, you know. 
But then he kind of like falls back to that with just like that super arrogant, um, adrenaline seeking kind of, you know, thing. Yeah. Um, but same thing with, with, uh, Stevie, with Steve, with Flyboy. Um, yeah. Like he's got like this attitude, like I'm, I'm in charge and you know, that's the way it is. And then, uh, turns out he's not really. And then by the end of the film, whenever they have their little beautiful apartment set up and she wants the uh, Francine wants the TV shut off while they eat their, you know, 1945 yeah, dinner TV dinner. Yeah. And then he like, she turns it off and he gets up and flips it back on. Yeah. And it's just like, all right, so you're trying to, you know, impose your dominance again. Um, but to what end, like this isn't real life, you know, like you've just created this fantasy. Yeah, but the and I think that's so, and, part and, of it. And, and the I music think that reflects part, that. I, and I like that. And that's what, and those are one of the beats that I think the music hits. Like, like I said, like the 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 opening portion where the music isn't over the top. Yeah. It's just consistently keeping a pace and a tone. And then you have that part where they're trying to live vicariously, like nothing's happening. And then the music reflects that. But then, to me, I think it's not so so it's not so much the the. The tones in the number themselves and the topics that they're addressing in that film, it's the structure in which it happens. It's such a harsh contrast, like yeah. flip, that there's no gradient between one theme and topic to the other. The film starts with confusion. Yeah. On purpose, which I love. I absolutely love. It ha- that's probably one of my favorite horror openings. Yeah. Like, just don't know... What happened? There's no ridiculous. Oh, this virus is attacking him. Blah 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 blah. No, they throw you, you yeah, right into the they action. They throw you right into just like like as if you were there, mm-hmm. and he throws you into the only picking up bits and pieces like you would here yeah. in the real world through two people arguing, two professionals doing saying this, just picking up parts where things were like a lot of sh- things that have tried to mimic fail at is they try to give you an explanation, yeah, yeah. and not leave anything to the back of your mind. So it goes from confusion. To the raw animalistic violence, because that's what happens. You mm-hmm. get confused, and then you turn. Sometimes you get rage and filled, and you go into a violence. Yeah. You get violence is usually the easiest thing to address to, to go into, and then it goes into survival. Like you see the effect that violence and what's happening has had on people. And my an awesome scene is that priest scene in the beginning, where they say oh, the stairwell, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then yeah. He, the priest just ominously tells you, and you kind of already know, like. Okay, this is the ride we're on. And then it flips, but with no gradient to the next theme. It's just like, bam! Like, now we're talking about these people and what their flip is. And then, boom, now we're talking about them all. And it's back to survival. And then, boom, now it's back into, oh, we're all having, we're all getting to know each other and we're all starting to change. And then, before you see any growth in the change, with the exception of two characters, then it flips right into oh we're trying to relive the life that we had and then oh boom I might be falling into madness again and then boom we're back into living the life that we had and then boom it's like it's too back and forth yeah where I feel like if he started with confusion the violence route was great and then the survivability and then started going back into confusion themes to where he could implement those things of bringing our lives back to normal, living in this mall, the flip that some people might be having because they're becoming an adrenaline junkie and started and just paced it out a little better and rearranged some aspects that he addresses. To me, I would have I think I would have fell into it more. But I get lost right around the second act. The second act I'm like Well I well I think I think that's also intentional. 
You think? I think so. Because if we learned anything, I mean, from the first film, mm-hmm. is that no one's safe. Right. Right? Because the first film, it was we were dealing with a, a, a distinct set of people. You a know, very small environment. Very small yes. environment. So we were, like, really rooting for these characters, yeah. you know. And then what happens? They all die. However, the hero, the best the best character, you know, wow, uh, crap, I can't remember his it's name. It's been a long time. Uh, yeah. uh, he survives the whole ordeal mm-hmm. only to get shot in the head by the Hicks because they mis- they, they make a mistake. They right. think he's a zombie. And they even, to you know, there was even the, that collage in the film. They just, they, you know chuck him into the fire take his body and just chuck him in the fire like he was nothing yeah so i think he george romero had already set the precedent with that film that don't get attached to anyone don't look at anyone and say that's the guy i'm rooting for this guy i'm rooting for because because well, they're, right. they're just people no yeah you know so with the confusion going back and forth i think that that's very that that, that was done so on purpose because he wants to keep us, the viewer, like on our toes. Yeah. And not yeah. get too attached, not worry about growth because this is the apocalypse. This is the end. People don't grow. They don't think, you know, I mean, just put yourself in those shoes, right? Yeah. Like you're just thinking if you were there and that happened, you'd only be thinking about survival. Yeah, but you got, you see, I would, I would, t- I would be inclined to agree with you if it wasn't for Peter's, the way Peter progresses. You see, Peter is the only Peter and, and Francine are the only ones that progress in the way I wish the entire film would address themes, the themes that it has. So the themes are fine. The confusion is fine. It's Peter. So Peter's first very, very stark and very centered. And then when he sees all those people in the cage and everything like that, you could see he lost a little bit of himself mm-hmm. and he's confused. Yeah. And then so his goal is to either to just keep himself alive at this point regardless of other people like he you can see he's fighting with getting attached and then in the film while they're at that mall towards in towards the second act you can see that he's now attached and he's conflicted with that yeah. and it's beautifully it displayed beautiful. in is. that rooftop scene where he's playing of... tennis yeah that was that's a good part and he sits and you see him getting more frustrated and yeah. more frustrated more frustrated and then he centers himself yeah and then he just grabs that bag and he doesn't care about anything again. And so he's, all the balls he's made his mind up. That's <laughs> perfect because you don't know where he sits up until that point. And you've had flip-flops with him, but it's in a each part it directly affected the other. Whereas some characters, it's just like out of the blue. Or some things are just like, whoa, wait, we were just like this and now all of a sudden we're like this. Wait a minute, what? How? No, like, I agree with you. Like there is... Um... Peter's uh, a graceful character. Yes. Um, as opposed to, because we're comparing him to Roger yeah. at this point, which I think is a great comparison to make yes. because they're similar backgrounds. They were both uh, cops. Um, or Well, we, I don't know if it's ever actually said that they're cops. It. I assume that they were SWAT officers. They are SWAT. That's what it looks based like, off the gear in the 70s. Yeah. I mean, maybe they were military. I don't know, but they were some a part of some kind of military SWAT, force yeah. or paramilitary force. Um, but at any rate, yeah, they have, they have, similar backgrounds in that regard and how the two kind of diverge. Um, yeah. I think that's, that's cool. And it might be okay that, um, Roger exists as, a as a, a character that develops only to accent Peter. 
Yeah, you know, um, and and that's and that's what he felt like for the most part. Yeah, he, he felt like a character. Him and Flyboy feel like characters to reinforce just how grounded Peter is. Yeah, but to also show just how bad because I get what he was trying to do. He was trying to show just how bad, like he was trying to show through their mental breakdowns just how bad it really is. Yeah, like and what type of I know he was trying to set up that what type of person Peter is. And it's it gets cemented when Peter tells him he's not going at the end. Yeah. And then he tells Francine, I'm not leaving. Mm-hmm. And then he goes into the room and he's gonna blow his brains out and he just flips and says, No. And he goes and then is the most ridiculous A team OJ Simpson <laughs> just going <laughs> for the, yeah, 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 like, yeah. And and that's what happens to me. Is so, you have such a harsh moment of flip, and then you have this ridiculous A-Team theme going along with it. On that, on that. So the original ending I read, I never mm-hmm. got to see it because maybe I did get to see it. I can't. Did we actually see it was a part of the director's cut? Did we watch that? I don't know. We I may have, like we but I know where you're going with I don't yeah. remember this. Yeah. So like the, I don't want to say original, but the other ending that right. they had for this was that Peter goes into the room and he's got the, the little gun to his head and he's like waiting for the last moment Um which is great that they referenced that kind of in the remake. Um, yeah. But he's waiting for the last moment to, to put himself out of the situation. And Francine, you know, she believes that he's going to come up to the helicopter. So she's like got the helicopter running and she's waiting outside. So the way the movie ended in this other ending was that I think it was that you don't actually see Peter kill himself. You just see the zombies flood into the room. And then you see Francine waiting by the helicopter and... um She's waiting for him to come up and the zombies are starting to come up onto the helipad and it ends with her sticking her head up through the helicopter blades to end her own life. Really? That's, I can't remember if we saw that or if we read that. I think that was, I, I think that was original ending. I I believe they shot it. I could be wrong, but I, you know, probably one of those test audiences thought it was like way too grim, way too grim of an ending. I mean, the movie's like goofy grim to begin with, like the movie, but I think that has to do with the setting. Yeah. Like they're in a mall, like, and a lot of the music like we were talking about, I think the music being kind of that, like goofy hokey kind of thing. Like, I think that's reflected of mall music. Well, yeah, no, yeah. And, and I, and, and I can see that, but to me, to me, one of the best parts is Flyboy's zombification oh yeah. that man zombie the the first shit great that. zombie yeah like sold yeah. the shit out of that when he turned into a zombie he's like now i have fear yeah because they, they didn't really have that yeah, kind of it was just like uh the people yeah, just but he around. brought an entirely new and beautiful charisma oh, yeah. to the zombie and and the other thing that no other zombie movie or show has really touched upon mm-hmm. you know cuz cuz if they're all if all like walking dead and however yeah. 20 days later, whatever. They all pull from the George Romero zombie films, right? Yeah. Well, until Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, that changed it. They never touched... No one else has done the whole thing, what George Romero does with zombies, that they they evolve and they think. Yeah. Because remember, remember with going to Flyboy when he turns to a zombie, he knows exactly where they are because he remembers. He knows where they yeah. where the apartment is. He knows they're holed up in there, and that's yeah. how they get in. But that was one of the themes throughout the movie was that like, why are they in the mall? And like, you can they they would show people, you know, using the escalators or like, faux shopping, if you will, yeah. you know. And it's like I don't know. It's all they knew. And the and guy like, wouldn't let go of the machine gun. That was <laughs> like, I, I forgot about that. And then like you see it at the very end, and it's just like, bro, did you make an entire movie like just somebody's holding a machine gun pointed at their yeah. face? Like, what mm. is this? Yeah. Well. Th- 
Well, Walking Dead did do that. Did they do that? Season one, yes. When um when he meets um uh, what's his face? Oh, with the wife. With the wife, and she keeps coming she keeps back going. to the door. Oh, that's and right, she keeps yeah. knocking. But they never touched. They, they never, they never they touched on it again. Yeah. They kind of they kind of dropped it. Which the comic books do touch on it. So I will give the comic books credit as opposed to the show, mm. which last good season was probably like season four, and that was it. No, well, last season was pretty good. No, not as good as it was, but that's that's a different that's conversation. A different but anyway, <laughs> different podcast, but different show. Altogether. I will say the thing that stood out to me the most was the way George was, and I'll give him really good credit, he snuck in a She's Gonna Survive Francine in the middle of the film. Explain, please. He Remember the nun with the jacket, with the shirt caught in the door? Mm, the zombie yeah. nun? Mm-hmm. And she opens it and, and closes it, and the nun just looks and then walks away. Oh. No, hmm. it doesn't, they don't do that for anyone else in That's- the entire film. The entire film, everyone's always chasing each other. And I was like, oh, that's kind of brilliant. Like, you just snuck in that she's going to live. And he did the exact same thing with Peter in the most ridiculous group of cod pieces to ever invade a mall. (laughs) Oh, all right. Are we going to talk about that? so ridiculous. Such a stupid. But cool on him for being in that vent and shooting them all. Yeah. They did it with Peter when he was in the vent. Yeah. And how it was saying that he's just too smart to die. Yeah. Period. Like, he just can't. All right, let's talk about the game. That's stupid <laughs> game. So, I think it's fun. I think it's funny. I think it's Tom Savini. Tom Savini. Um, <laughs> but I feel like whenever <clears throat> the the story was being written, they're like, all right, so they're in the mall and they have all these supplies now and they're like, basically have the zombies under control and they're just kind of living their lives. How do we shake it up? They're in this like isolated area of the United States where there just happens to be a mall. Like, what do we do? Uh, I don't know. Just send a gang over there with a bunch of motorcycles and like sabers and machine guns and stuff. Like, all right. <laughs> How Mad Max? What was Mad Max even around then? I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think so. No. Yeah. No. no Seventy-seven. No. No. Seventy-nine. And then really? Dead was the year before. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. So. I guess I can't say how Mad Max can you get, but I mean, my my. Well, now you can is, say Mad Max. How Dawn of the Dead can you get? Yeah, which the answer is way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, just like the, the idea of the gang, and they show up, and the gang has such a huge chunk of screen time, only because like they do these really like fucked up and kind of funny things. And there's like one scene with the gang where this dude keeps trying to check his blood pressure. (laughs) He's being chased by zombies, sits down to check his blood pressure. And then like, you know, they rip him apart and it's just like, God damn it. How did they survive up to this point doing those? And that's my biggest, like, that's the huge gripe with the gang. That's my biggest fucking. Well, 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 who's to say that there were more of them, you know, before they, they came because we don't know them we just know that, that them we don't, getting them the, yeah. I think Peter points out that like you know his 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 suspicion is that they were former military and they've just been surviving on the road scavenging and this is what they've been doing that these were like career killers you mm-hmm. know um, but even if they were career killers the fucking stupidest shit of riding the motorcycle down the, the freaking yeah. wall and there's gunfire and they just keep riding and it's like, what? Yeah, it's just uh, American action, you know. It was a be- <laughs> and, the, and the whole like when he when Flyboys and the re- how I can buy how they came across it, right? Like if it was a smaller group, you know what I mean? Wasn't so flamboyant. Like it was just 
small group because when you when you first see them you just think it's what's his face and the other guy it's just those two and like oh okay we have two players that are unknown like these people are at this point in the film that whole group has established themselves as this is our home this is where we are and I can buy into the this is where we're going to spend the rest of our days even though I'm still trying to figure out where they get food from after a certain well, point, because everything's run, got yeah. a, shelf, I mean, a shelf I think life. They had, they had a bunch of MREs that they found, and there was like yeah. a bunch of dry goods, and then yeah. they were eating like like that scene whenever they 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 have Roger in the wheelbarrow, and they're like stocking up on stuff. Yeah. And Roger grabs like, I think it was olives, and he eats one, and then he starts drinking the olive juice. Yeah. Oh, that's right before the, yeah. Before yeah. The, um, the touching moment. Yeah. That's but the best part of the movie. To me, it was like, scene. I think where he failed was my, his biggest failure, even with my gripes with the juxtaposition where it lost me was that like i just went <sighs> no i agree like the the gang scene is what? fun and zany but it's not see it, a it, great it, it, plot it, device. it, it didn't bother me oh, at so all stupid ah, it I'm really did because it. i, mean, I like it because it. it's it's it's, it's fun. wacky yeah well but it's not it doesn't do anything to drive anything yeah. forward except for getting well, them no, out that's of the place all it does yeah. is drive things yeah, forward. it's not like yeah, but it's also like you say. Yeah, it's so ridiculous. The guy that's trying to get his blood pressure taken while there's yeah. th- something, you know, the zombies all around. I think it says point. You know, the point of that is like, you know, we're Amer- you know Americans. We don't give a damn what's going on. Like we just do things. We want things to go back to normal. It's about me. I don't give a shit. Yeah, you know, yeah. like that's, I, I get that, that and that. And I mean, look, look at look at now. That's you know, true. This happens now. We and we, I think that's better. the point. You know, so it could have been a better, yeah, yeah, it could sure. have done a better execution. Sure, but like, a different I idea, get it. You know? Like, I, I, I get it. You know, yeah. and it's- I, I think he could have got that point across had he just kept it to those two, and made it that made it like a cat and mouse game where those two want what they want and they don't give a shit who. who I was just thinking that. Like, wouldn't it have been you great know? if there was like? I mean, this would have been an entirely different movie at this it, point. Absolutely. Wouldn't it have been great if it was like like you're saying cat and mouse, where maybe it's like, you know, the Tom Savini character who was really like very. Clearly, I think um, a malicious, sadistic character, yes. uh, and he was the only one that really shined as one of the gang members, aside from the uh, <laughs> blood pressure guy. The blood pressure, but um, <laughs> yeah, like if it was like Tom Savini and maybe like his sycophant cohort or something yeah. like that, and it's Peter and Flyboy, like you know, most dangerous game kind of like they're but, trying to root each other out and like claim them all, and Francine's. I don't know what Francine would be doing at that well, point, it, which well, is a no. part of the movie. It, it, would, it would be a huge juxtaposition because you would have two people in their right mind yeah. who now have – can cement better the we don't – we embrace what's going on right now. Yeah. We don't give a shit. Like to your point, mm. the, the point of the scene was to say we just don't give a shit because that's at the time of the film. That's what was going on in yeah. society. It would have been so much more impactful to have two focused characters – Come into the mix after we just spent a good forty-five minutes yeah, getting attached with to these just these mm-hmm. this small group. Everything else that happened before the mall doesn't count anymore. We're just paying attention to them here, and have these two reckless, but more so dangerous because they embrace what's going on, and watch them play with them. Where you have Peter. And Flyboy and Francine, who are trying to survive and stay away from the horde, and then you have these. You have Tom Savini, because that's pretty much all you know him as, and yeah. his sycophant, like you said, fucking with them but, and using what he has. But, but that would, but that would have turned into a completely different film. Mm-hmm. And I think what what we need to remember is that 
none of the none of the dead movies are character driven films no it's about what's going on there it, it, there's something's going down you're looking at it let's well, see how they get out of yeah, it let's I see mean, how I they're think, gonna do it i think they're more concerned with like the the you know cultural commentary right. than yeah. they are the actual which i agree yeah. with but i, I think know. he could have got his his i think his cultural commentary would have had a little more weight making that gang those two because then I, it would have been it, it would have still done the same thing that he wanted to do but it would I think it would have had more of a a lasting See, impact. Like that, but it's, it's I think speculation. I'm in between you guys on this. Like yeah. I agree with you that would have been, but it would have been. Yeah. That's a not that's not the same movie. No, it yeah. would have. Yeah. It, it, See, to me, if they would have done it that way, with the way the movie was going, and then that all also sudden, would have gotten bring these two characters, and then it becomes a cat and mouse game. That's like, all right, you're you're stopping the movie in its tracks now. Yeah. You're not. You haven't been going there, but now you're there. Well, no, no, it, it, because it just rips through. Yeah, because his commentary. It's a force I, of nature. Yeah, yeah, the gang really is. Because what his initial thing with the gang was is the gang bring because of the gang's carelessness, it allows the zombie threat to perpetuate. Well, they wanted they wanted what they want. They yeah, had what they had. Well, and the, the other mm-hmm. thing, no, they didn't just want. It wasn't like that. I don't think because Peter even made the point. Like, look, they're just gonna come through. And take this stuff, like don't engage them. And he's telling Roger or Flyboy yeah. this. It's like don't engage them, just like be on the ready, but like let them have whatever. They're gonna they take they're gonna take whatever yeah. they're gonna take and get the hell out. And the yeah. stuff they were taking was cash and jewelry. They were like, you know, petty thieves at that point. Yeah. Um and I don't know and I think maybe that's like the other thing to it. Like again, going back to Flyboy and his his uh arrogance, his machismo, he's like, No, this is my castle, I'm the king of it, you know, and that he fires the first shot and triggers the whole thing. Which then which then so's you know that's yeah. his end yeah that's to, how, to me, he, how he loses he uh, it's it's one of those things where he's which is the the opening theme of the film yeah I think people actually, aren't paying attention to go your camp of it because yeah, yeah he need the, the the castle needed to be threatened mm-hmm. um for for flyboy to really yeah but see, I feel, through i feel the castle would still have been threatened because the the to me the purpose of that that whole gang scene was to recap the beginning of the film where people just aren't still getting it yeah they're just not getting it like there are people still out there that in social that are just not getting no matter how much it's in your face they're not getting it and but then also this to show that human nature is usually to capitalize on situations right right but if they had done the the cat and mouse game thing that we were talking about the the theme of it would have shifted it would no longer have been you know Here's a guy trying to pro- defend his worldly possessions. It would have been like, no, here's a guy trying to defend his life because there's, you know, a serpent in the midst. Like something is here trying to kill them. But the gang wasn't trying to kill them. They were just they wanted the stuff and they wanted to go. Um, yeah. And so Flyboy's, you know, firing the first shot is, I think, that signal of like. This is my home. How dare you? And it, it wasn't his home. Yeah, it no, was it a place yeah. to survive. And Peter even got upset when he's already yeah. dead. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? Just let him go. You know. Yeah. And then it made it worse. And then all. And then what happens? They had to leave. The movie ends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the movie ended. Yeah. 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 I still. I don't think so much of cat and mouse game, but more so of uh, of cementing the slippery slope that he keeps touching on with all the characters that we were watching throughout that film of how deep into madness they can go yeah. or how borderline it is and by having I felt I just feel like by having two smaller characters still do the same thing like 
the same thing occurs. And and my problem is not the the action of what happens in the mall. My problem is is the lack of substance it has to cement what we've been watching. Like in you bring up a good point. There is that scene where Flyboy Chutin's like, "This is my home," and he's like, "What are you doing?" And like, I get that, but at the same time, I feel like that exact same thing could have been done with two characters with a little more weight and given it and instead of giving it that hokey kind of like out of the blue feel that kind of like creeping up on you feel where if it crept up on you, I think it would have had more of an impact and gotten that what he's trying to say, like in throughout the whole film, which is what you say, which is like, we just take what we want and we can also escalate a situation by trying to protect something that's not worth protecting. And so I think he could have done, I think by having a smaller gang or even just a smaller gang, not even just two, but just, a more grounded gang yeah, probably well, yeah, would have... We don't really know the yeah. gang's motivations. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We don't understand their hierarchy. They're just like... They're just there. I think at one point there's just some dude on like a, a radio broadcasting and like, you know, he's assuming that the people in the mall are listening and yeah. then that's it. You don't see him anymore. Yeah. And Tom just... Savini is the star of the show after that. But but I think that's that's just the way his movies are though. They're just, yeah. it's, just yeah. a, it's just a blunt look at us. <laughs> And that might be the case. You know? Under the guise of a, a zombie film. It just is. You know, like, I, that would happen. I, I, you know, and I've seen the movie before, but I, I remember when I, the first time I saw it a long time ago. I yeah. remember watching it and, like, you know, they find the mall and it's like, how can no one else, you know, found this mall? You know what I yeah. mean? Like, yeah. and then how long is it going to take for someone else to come along? Yeah. Like, yeah. in real life, that, it wouldn't have lasted that long. No. Not only a gang, but whoever the fuck is coming in and trying to get this and that and that, you know. So, yeah, it didn't bother me, you know. Like, I I got it. I understood it. No, it doesn't bother me that it happened. It was just such a long and zany... It's a zany thing. Yeah. And I mean, like, yeah, like, that's what I got feeling like about it. It was just like... Because at one point, they're like, they're running around and slamming pies in the face of the zombies and... Because yeah. they don't take it seriously. Yeah, they don't take That's it seriously. That's what I'm seriously. saying. Yeah. Like, people yeah. don't but take... Like, but, but we're like, oh, no, they'll go back to I, I think one. I think once this is all over, I think a zombie. All, yeah, you know, like, no, it's not. It, it, this is real. Like, right. And yeah. ultimately, everyone paid the price but for it. But in I, trying to prove that, or not prove, and in trying to... Um, establish you know, that. Uh, yeah, like to display or to make an example of that kind of attitude, that kind of behavior, they just use poor examples i think like they could have done it in a way that wasn't so exactly and, that, and that's what know. and that's where my my gripe is is like i get what he's trying to say but his and that's my problem with the movie in a whole is the execution of certain points are almost and i don't want to say lazy because to do those things are not lazy but i feel like they're in the moment like decisions that when he's writing this story or he's directing this film, which is a thing that I have a problem with with all of Romero's films, so and with the exception of Night of the Living Dead, because of how constrained he was and forced to focus on such a small area, when he has free reign of the whole world, he tends to do things that are out of place to try to get his point across. He gets his point across, which is good, if you're watching the film for points. 
for, for messages. But if you're watching the film for cohesiveness and gra- and what actually works and what would seem it more grounded to happen or more likely to occur or to fit better with your previous scene or the previous tone you've set, I think you could have went with a slightly better route than just the wacky and zany gang that just comes out of nowhere to display that how crazy we are. I think he could have still displayed how crazy we are, but stayed in line with everything he set up at that point. Because at that point, we hadn't had a goofy, wackadoo moment. Like, in reality, we really hadn't. The film starts off with confusion, and then it's very violent. And that scene where Peter sees all those people in the basement, in that, mm-hmm. that storage area... And they're all still wrapped in their blankets because mm. they all died. It's like so grim. And then everything else is either kind of like, oh, we're kind of trying to get back to normal life. Or we're still conflicted and we're still dealing with this horror outside. And then to have this gang come in. And then you have comedic moments in it. And then just no real structure to what's happening. With the exception of, like you said, which I agree with you 100%, the gang will pass through they need to just learn where they can what they can do and what they can't do and how these things are just material and how one person couldn't let go of the material Mm. and caused it to lose everything and escalate something i think he still could have done that but done it more in line with what the freaking film was going at that point so it's not that it's not that the gang was the wrong device it's that the execution of the oh, game the device was, did not sit well yeah. with the theme of everything with else. With the theme of everything else. Yeah. Absolutely. I agree with that. Yes. I agree with that. Um, Do you think Zack Snyder had the same conversation? No. <laughs> you know what? Probably. I'm not going to have a gang in mind. And I'm going to make the zombies run. Well, the, the zombies run thing. <laughs> but I, I, that's got to do with Shaun of the Dead. Um, and that was the thing. Like Prior mm-hmm. to Shaun of the Dead, zombies didn't run. But Shaun of the Dead came out. And they made zombies so goofy and so like. Was it Shaun of the Dead or was it Twenty Eight Days? No, no, Twenty Eight Days later. Days they later. ran. Yeah, yeah they and ran. That came out before Shaun of the Dead. Oh man, yeah, came out a couple years then. before. Yeah. I was reading that yeah. Shaun, Shaun of the Dead was the, the reason that they uh, 20... started to run because no one could take no. slow moving zombies seriously anymore. Dawn I think Rain's one is two thousand four. Dawn of the Dead and Shaun of the Dead came out in the same year. The, Do- the mm. Dawn of the Dead remake and Shaun of the Dead came out in the same. Yeah, year. Then, I don't know what I'm talking about. Twenty Eight Days Later came out before, like a couple years before. A couple years before. They introduced the running. But see, but here's the thing though. 28 Days Later is not a zombie movie, though. No. That's where everybody gets it wrong. Well, okay, it's in that genre. It's in that genre. But, yeah, technically those things aren't zombies. But it is a zombie film. But it's just people going nuts. It's the the concept of you get infected, you die, you wake up as this thing. No. Uh, No, no, they don't die. They don't die. That's why I say it's not a zombie movie. You just get infected. You get infected and you... It's almost like a... They explain it. It's like rabies. It's rabies. Like you just lose your mind you go mad. You're right. My mistake. And so they're you're eat you're eating people for sustenance. Oh, well, you're like not you're, just eating people. You're, you're just attacking. Violence. Yeah, you're just attacking. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it's not just like oh, I'm just gonna I'm just looking. Whereas the zombies are dead and then reanimated. Yeah. and needing to feed on living flesh to survive. This is just you're it, just it's going like mad. An, it's just like an alternate yeah zombie like, film. Yeah, you're just going yeah. mad, and the yeah. zombies yeah. do die, and the people that are mad with the with the infection in 28 days later unlike with Romero's which I do like that he showed the zombies do die at some point because there is a he does show a scene outside the mall when they're doing the truck there is a dead zombie body on the ground yeah so like at some point they do die out oh yeah 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 so like 
they yeah, starve. Or, they yeah. starve. Yeah. And there's like a lot of talk as far as the the not a lot of talk. I shouldn't say that, but like <laughs> the, um, there's there's some things to consider. That zombie survival guide um, addresses that whole thing. Yeah. Um, where it's like, well, if it's a dead body and it's now it's just reanimated and it's just going on impulse and it can't heal itself, eventually its muscles are just going to be so tore up like it can't move. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's another conversation though. Yeah. I do want to talk about the greatest scene in that, the greatest shot in that whole movie. Mm-hmm. Um, after they go through with the car and they get all the stuff and uh, Roger's already been bit for a little bit and he's in his room on the bed and they've mm-hmm. doped him up on morphine and Pete's cleaning his gun and he's yelling at him, Pete, yeah, Roger, where are you? I'm right here, man. You know, this, like, mm-hmm. they're on the other side and it's a constantly back and forth shot of... Uh, of Roger in the bed, super doped up, and Pete, I, Peter, I think he was cleaning his gun, his rifle. Um, we whooped him, Pete. Oh, yeah, yeah, we whooped him, and we got it all. We got it all, yeah. And there he is, on his deathbed, just excited about having it all, you know. That's... It's all about it's all about the stuff. Yeah. Yep. And the I stuff. think that is the defining... Mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. This defining moment of the film. Yeah. I think that ties it all together. Absolutely. Doesn't, ma- doesn't matter what's happening to me right now, but I got the stuff. Yeah. We got yep. the stuff. Yeah. The stuff that you can't take with you. Yep. When yeah. you you're dead. Yeah. It's nothing. And it's not even going to last if you live. Yeah. But everybody wants it. Mm-hmm. Yep. And a whole motorcycle <laughs> gang came in and, yeah. <laughs> and they just, <laughs> just tried to yeah. take it all. Which, by the way, just to touch back on this, where the fuck were those fresh cream pies the entire time? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's what talking about. Yeah. It's just like, it's like yeah. yeah. We pulled it out of the fridge. Like. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. So anyway, let's yeah. talk about some technical aspects of the film. Yeah, yeah. Because we can go on and on about... Yeah, I think we touched off... I think, I think, we, I think, I think we, we, we yeah, covered yeah. everything pretty well. Yeah. We Everybody knows where I think it's, yeah, it's okay. And you two love it to death. Yeah. So, and I, I, there's things I love. So here's what I really love about the film. Technical-wise. Forget about the zombie makeup. That was kind of, for the time, it was good. Uh, yeah, it's good for the time. Special effects Special are effects. not at the top of the. Yeah. Uh, you can tell no, like no, when no, when, no. when when the the guy bites the dude's shoulder, the lady's yeah, shoulder. It's like the, but you can tell it was a cake. There's a whole prosthetic. <laughs> <stuff, laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> they made a cake to look like a shoulder. Or whenever they, uh, whenever Roger like that zombie comes in and breaks the uh, bandage oh, and yeah. the blood that comes out, it, I I don't know what the hell it is, but I know it ain't blood. Yeah, no, yeah. the blood was very bright. Yeah, and very odd color choice yeah for the zombies but it's his first go color but you know? yeah and before that yeah. what i don't think people knew what a zombie looked like we had what except night of the living dead but they were just mm-hmm. it was black and white so yep. you couldn't tell anything yeah and they used bosco as blood you know yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah pretty much yeah the biggest technical achievement to me the the highlight of that film is at the time it did something that no film, even Academy Award-winning films like Godfather and Jesus Serpico, like mm. that had you know the French Connection that had amazing cinematography. This film had some of the best cinematography for that time period. Yeah, like and just going back to, and, and off of that with the shot of of, uh, yeah. of uh, Roger in bed. Mm-hmm. You know, you had the first shot of him, you know, saying, we got it all, or he whooped him, we got it all. And then, the, you know, shot of uh, What's Peter sitting yeah. far. Peter, far away from him. You know, that, that was beautiful. And, you know, like, 
Well, and to touch back too about the uh, with, you know, you brought up the uh, part where Peter finds all the zombies in the basement mm-hmm. and he shoots them all, and we're giving, we're given the perspective of the things being shot. So like Peter's pointing the gun at the audience, you know, and pulling the trigger, and then when he runs out of ammo, Roger comes in and finishes it off. And there's like there's something, I don't know why, man. It's like it's a haunting scene. Like I feel like it was more terrifying to see the reaction of Peter killing these zombies than it yep. would have been to watch the zombies get shot to death. Exactly. Um, it was really, it was an unsettling, it was a beautiful shot. So a lot of the, a lot of the, you could tell like Romero at the time was like Zack Snyder. If he was like the Zack Snyder of his, of that era. And the only reason why I say this is because of who he's influenced by. You can see like a lot of his like his request. You can see like some of these shots, because most most of the time, you know, you hire the cinematographer and the cinematographer works with you to figure out the shot. But you can tell very clearly that Romero is heavily influenced by Kubrick, yeah, in certain shots, especially two thousand one, and you can tell by how he offsets characters from the frame, where you see more of the environment than the character. The best part. Is how he framed Peter when he, in two of probably the most important scenes to me in the film, with the which actually one of three of the most important because that um, that Roger scene that we were talking about him telling him we got it all the way he felt like positioned that was good but when Peter first discovers the group of people in the cage yeah in the cell kind of thing and how he only catches like half of his face and the rest is all shelf and how he's like just positioned from like an almost under like a 45 degree angle looking up at him I'm trying to remember it oh it's well, gorgeous like to, how he frames that I'll have to flip through that one again and the he used cinematography to express how the character's emotional state is when they're okay and good everything is up and looking down at them and when they are in a rut it's down looking up at them or it's level with them with open shots and you see a lot of their surroundings and showing them isolated, which was hammered in by probably the beautifulest shot, which I referenced earlier, that Peter playing tennis on the roof. Yeah. And when he stops and he puts his arms down, it's just him looking up far away. Mm. So you see him from a distance. You're not even closed up on him. And you see the roof and the expanse of what's nothing around him and then he goes and grabs the bag and walks away and instead of focusing on him walking away which a lot of films at the time would do even Kubrick would do he just stayed focused on the bent over tennis balls and you watch a blurry Peter walk away by himself with his bag and that's like that's thought to detail that I will give him credit to to show that emotion Peter feels like hopeless at that point and it's like that's his wrestle and so he just fades into obscurity which is why he wants to commit suicide at the end why he has that drunken kind of writ yeah and when when it's just him flyboy and what's her, and francine, francine and he hammers it even more in the scenes with him and francine and and flyboy where you see them living their life and then you just see peter sitting at that table alone and it's not even like a close it's starts with a close up 
And then it cuts, and it's Peter alone off to the right, and the rest of the room empty. Mm. And it's like you see cinematography like that now, and we're used to it. Like from like Wally Pfister, who was like my favorite cinematographer. Like he does a lot of that in like films Insomnia and stuff like that, where things are off centered, and it's become normal for us now to see that. But at that time, that's crazy. Like yeah. that's that's probably some of the best cinematography for a B movie. Low budget BS movie filmed on bad equipment, like to get right, and it's throughout the whole film. Like the the beginning with the um, when they're in the newsroom, and the guys telling them to keep airing because the station, even though the stations are off, because he wants the ratings. Yeah, and how they show him <clears throat> off, caddied, slightly off behind the glass, like he's dis- he's so disconnected that he's not even centered with everyone else. And then when they flip back to Francine, she's in the middle, and you still see everyone behind her when she's telling him no, and she's making those decisions. And then when those guys are arguing, all their scenes are very, very close, mm-hmm. and you never see the two of them in like the same shot having a conversation, with the exception of far shots. They're always like the yeah, host, it is a back and, and then the guy yeah. host. It's a show like just how confused people are. And they're drinking Brilliant. throughout that entire thing time too. Yeah. Like that that dude, he's got an eye patch too. I didn't notice that the first time yeah. I saw the movie. The oh, the other guy, yeah, the second yeah. guy, yeah, yeah. He, he was he, great. I loved. Him. Yeah, we must remain logical. Yeah, yeah he's just <laughs> so drunk the entire time. Yeah. So drunk, gets more and care. more drunk as the show, as the movie goes. Yep. Oh, cinematography is great. Yeah, I don't. Cinematography is absolutely great. Screen yeah. screenplay, good. It's tight. Mm-hmm. Executed meh, for me. Yeah, but. For, for, yeah. you, for me, yeah, I like that. Yeah. I love the story. I love how it expands. It, it does. It, it does what really good sequels, movie sequels, should do. Right? Mm-hmm. It expands upon the first film. Yeah. That that to me automatically makes it better. Yep. So I wonder if going into the Dead series, if um, if Romero had an idea that he was going to do that, like we're going to do Night of the Living Dead, and it takes place at this funeral home in a cemetery. That's it, you know, and then Dawn of the Dead. I want to expand it so it's a much bigger location and it starts off in this one place and they have to go to this other place, mm-hmm. you know. And so, like, the world, the setting, the environment literally grows, you know. Um, and then Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead. It just keeps getting bigger and bigger. Yeah, Land of the Dead. Yeah. And then you get into, like, Diary of the Dead. And, uh, well, I think he went more in the survival of the dead. He might, he, I think he survival went of the dead, more yeah. low budget for those yeah. two. But. Yeah. I still like them though, man. Like the yeah. the um, late years Romero uh, Dead series, still good, man. Land of the De- yeah, Land of the Dead's pretty good. Yeah. You know, mm. the only one I've re- really haven't really seen, and it's probably really bad, but like of me of to have not seen it is Day of the Dead, which apparently was George Romero's favorite. Really, of his Dead se- of de- Dead series, his mm. Dead movies, which is odd. Yeah, and has a really pretty big cult f- following. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they, re- they haven't re- seen it either they remade that one right I think Ving Rings was in that movie he but was yeah sucked. Yes. I saw that one it was oh. horrible to uh, me it sucked just like the original yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for me so the, the problem with me with, with Romero <clears throat> is he he became a stereotype and in his later films you find he is a stereotype like he's his later films you could tell lose a lot of the weight that like Dawn of the Dead, which I will agree with, has social commentary things like that, and then Day and then Night of the Living Dead had, like he loses a lot of the weight and it becomes more just consistent survival, like zombies survival, 
when people not listening, yada, yada, yada. That's, that's what kind of it, it rolls around to. But let's go to the next one, which is that fucking score. <laughs> I, I'm into it. Yeah. I mean, it like, doesn't bother me at all. Yeah. I don't think it's like amazing, but it works. The, you know, it does its job and it doesn't, I think it, it ties in well with the, uh, with the themes they were trying to capture. I will agree with you. Like the, uh, the a team thing at the end there with uh, Peter, like, you know, <laughs> that was, was just, a little, it was a little, oh, that, that was, yeah. that's the only part of the movie. Where I was but like, other yeah, than that, right, right. I, I was, I, again, I won't say it was over the top. I won't say it was you know, life changing, but it was good. It was functional. I, I thought it was kind of a little creepy. Oh, it had creepy. Even at the yeah, end smart, where yeah. it was the credit, you know, during the credits. Yeah. Is, yeah. I can't remember. It's, all, it's the mall music. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's that's like, what it's supposed to be. It's the mall music while the zombies are occupying it. And there's, that's a shot, you know, it was just... I can only remember the melody when I think of Robot Chicken. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I didn't... Yeah, I, I... I mean, it didn't stand out like, oh my no, god, it's what a score. score. It's very one-dimensional. Like, yeah. But it does it does what it's supposed to do. It make, doesn't make you think about it, right? You just yeah. It's almost like it, they, he tried to, like... He told the guy, like, mimic Night of the Living Dead's theme. Like, because Night of the Living Dead's score is very ominous and like almost non-existent mm-hmm. which is nice about it because you get invested in the soundscape yeah. whereas this one is like my only gripe with the score is at times it fits beautiful but then at times it's so jarring out of it that what's supposed to be serious is a joke <laughs> and it's like ah yeah i wonder if that was, that's part of it i think but that's I'm why i'm yeah. in here because it's like they're in a mall they yeah. probably told hey goblins you guys over there you goblins <clears throat> Yeah. Write, write some mall music. Make it real sarcastic. And who are the goblins? Is goblins a band? Like what? what I don't. I'm not, I don't think I ever listened to them. They, I think they were a band. The goblins. Know? I'm assuming with a name like that. Can you imagine? There's just some like just one dude out there writing scores, but he prefers to be called the goblins. Plural. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're an Italian <laughs> progressive rock band. Huh. That's a progressive rock band. Yeah. Huh. Italian. How many film scores have they done? Oh, I don't know. All of Romero. <laughs> <laughs> it just has discography and. The, the I don't goblins, know, current goblin incarnations, but I'll take a listen, take a yeah. gander, see how the goblins are. You mm. know, if their music's any good outside of Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, I wonder if it's dated. Like it was probably really good at the time, and we've just moved past it. Well, it's it's a lot of newly fresh synth work. Yeah. Like synths were just becoming a thing around that time frame. You had Bowie, yeah. and other people starting to use different kind of synths, and. Apparently these guys had, see, so yeah, they had some good, they, and that's the problem with a lot of, with B-movie films. These, this is a band, just by looking at their filmography of what they've worked on, they work on a lot of like, <clears throat> what would be considered the spaghetti, like soap operas of spaghetti westerns. Yeah. Yeah. So they work on a lot of like low, 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 low budget oh. projects. And they did Suspiria too. Really? Yeah. Huh, explain. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, that makes they sense. Did the film, they did the score for that film as well. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, and the score for that one's kind of yeah, yeah, and that's and that's that. It's coming from myself, who is now starting to get into it and composing for film. A lot of it's the could be the director. Yeah, because you know he's got to agree to that. But at the same time, with this movie, I feel based off his other films. They kind of just like, I had, this is the budget I had. 
what this guy put together. Maybe he made some money off the yeah. first one. And he's just like doing yeah. a bunch of coke. Yeah, you know, like he just was like <laughs> yeah, hey, a little bit of good life and got kind of weird with it. I don't know. I'm I think a it fucking works. Six pack. I gotta maintain this ponytail. <laughs> this, this hair cream. Yeah, yeah. This hair cream isn't cheap. <clears throat> I kind of started, you know, lavishing in my riches from my success on the other one. Like I had to spend a whole lot of money. Bosco was the blood. I mean, was that at the time sixty cents a bottle? Like that's yeah, but that was like an entire week's worth of payback. (laughs) (laughs) That was seven Filipino kids working twelve hour days, seven days a week to get that Bosco put in that bucket. But that was yeah, that was what it is. Yeah. So all right, and then what else? Take bets. Right, I can't think of anything else. We I did mean, screenplay, we did score, yeah, we scored, did yeah. plot, cinematography, cinematography direction. We, we 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 talked about because we had to explain certain aspects Act, of the yeah. film. Acting, acting, yeah. Well, uh, only 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 two good actors, that whole shebang. Francine and and Peter. I thought well, Roger. And was Roger too. Yeah. I thought yeah, Roger. Yeah, FY, I mean, he wasn't no. terrible. It was just he played the part, and that was it. The, wasn't uh, like, yeah, Academy Award winning stuff. Yeah, it's just it's a lot of che- a lot of cheese from the scripts. So you can't really blame them. Yeah. You know just, what I mean? You know what I mean? I think that's just know. because I think we're gonna disagree on a lot of this because you you're not a fan of the film and I'm really into it. So like yeah. a lot of cheese from the script. Yeah, like like, and I I want to be like the fuck are you talking about? But that's not fair. Well, I mean, ah, come on. There are a lot of so okay at the time they weren't cliches. So and I and I try to I'm taking myself out of it. At the time they weren't cliches, but some of the shit is just like the fuck, bruh. <laughs> so, like, what you? Yeah, we just gotta we gotta get out of here. Like what? What? Like, Peter, the like, dark Peter, night? like Peter, yeah. Like you just like sometimes like and Peter's my favorite character too. So for me to say that. Is is some cheese? Like when he's <laughs> when he finds it's some cheese, <laughs> it's some fucking gouda just shaved off there. Like, yeah. So like no, like oh, like the scene where, where Roger meets Peter yeah. in the beginning, and it's just like okay, or like like you said, the racist dude that's yeah. just doesn't stop yeah, going. Like, that's a ham-fisted part right like, there. Holy shit, bro. Well, you, like, you probably only needed to drop a few slurs and we would have got started. <laughs> yeah. Dude, he was he like... Goes. And, uh, you know, because... You just end up... Morse code And the guy's like... Yeah, he's gonna come out. He's gonna come out. Like, holy fucking shit. Like, I got it. He's a piece of shit. Move on. Like, Or the kid... With the most cliche thing. Stay by me, kid. When the stuff happens, just keep your head low and be ready. And <laughs> the thing we haven't talked about is how that dude gets aced like right away. <laughs> he gets aced right away, which is like, a, yeah. where, what, what cover was he under? Yeah. Like, hey, you might want to get behind this wall instead of just standing right out there. But um, I know it's the 70s. You get away with a lot of shit. They couldn't hire a Latino actor to pay a Latino criminal? That dude with the self-tatter painted on his face? <laughs> yeah. And he comes out in the most conquistador. Yeah. And he's like, ah! And he's like... <laughs> <laughs> that's what it does. Yeah. His without, name is the great, ah! <laughs> and without like, knowing where anyone is, he bursts through, and first shot is the, stay with me, kid. 
Like, yeah. like, like, it's like, eh! and then he's just like running around. It's like, some of it's just like so fucking like, come on, man, you were filming this. I know it's like probably your first time in color, but like, <laughs> this dude looks like he just, he went to the Wyndham. He had a coupon. <laughs> a Hyatt hotel back in the day. He sat in Fort Lauderdale for a little bit and then had a, oh shit, I got a part in self-tan to get, <laughs> like, it's totally not a Latino actor. And I'm just like, fuck. But there's, like, shit like that. Yeah. Like, a hit where, where Roger meets Peter and he's just points the gun at him. And at first it's kind of cool because they're standing off and they don't know who's cool, who's not. Because yeah. Peter just whacked that dude. Which was crazy because I didn't know a shotgun would blow your fucking head clean off to it. It's just a stump. Oh, yeah. And then yeah, a yeah. Every complex. shotgun I've ever used to shoot someone in the face has done that <laughs> he, he broke, that racist dude broke into that apartment yeah. and, sh- and hit fired it too yeah. and, they got, and just the head yeah. gone but and then he sits on the on the washing machine and they have like probably the most ridiculous bro talk that's ever had like to me there's dialogue like that that's just kind of like I mean I, I can agree with you in some parts specifically that scene when they're in the basement or whatever like I disagree with you there I think that was a great moment it was a good moment yeah and like I, I don't feel like it was it was hokey or or lazy or anything but yeah the, that fucking opening uh, just <laughs> like the opening scene that got them the rating they ended up with <laughs> um, alone they didn't get yeah, any of the zombie yeah. effects and it's such a big fucking contrast yeah. to have that ham of a statement when you just came from probably one of the greatest film openings for a horror film like a a zombie franchise in general of people just legitimately like having normal conversations Mm -hmm. and they have this really over the top guy that would not be in the police force (laughs) on that raid going like that like just wonder i wonder if it's got to do with him splitting from the other guy you know what i mean yeah because wasn't Night of the Living Dead, he co-directed with mm-hmm. another guy, right? Yeah. No, he directed the film, but I think... He had a partner on it, I thought. I think it was a producer. Okay. I thought there was, like, someone else involved on, and I thought it was in direction, uh, Night of the Living Dead, that was just as important for that film as Romero was, you know? Yeah, And they split um... after that, <clears throat> and, you know, we had the, the Dead series, and then there was the Living Dead series uh-huh. that I don't think I ever really followed. Uh, John Russo. John Russo co-written. Co-written. Okay. Which 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 makes complete sense for the dialogue shift from I, both films. I want to agree with you on that, but I haven't seen enough of uh, Russo's stuff to. Well, I don't think I've seen any of it. Now I think about it um, to say that you know that's where the the uh, shift happened. Yeah, because he wrote. He, yeah, because Romero strictly wrote. Yeah. Dawn of the Dead and the rest on his of them, own, yeah. and the rest. I'll of have them. to watch some of the other ones. And Russo, if I'm not mistaken, what's the other, what's the other thing he did? He did. Ah, uh, hold on. You know, John Russo was actually an actor in Night of the Living Dead. Wait, wait. He mm-hmm. was uh, a well, because th- right, they didn't have zomb. They weren't called zombies back then. Yeah, they were called ghouls. Yeah, and um, who was he? He was. Like one of the, he was a ghoul that got uh, stabbed in the head. Nice. <laughs> I think it was like one of the first ones, like in the in the movie. So on, in yeah. the in the in credits, we could find him as headstab ghoul. Headstab, yeah. <laughs> and then John Russo, which now it makes sense why 
the dialogue is such a it, why there's some goofy contrasts yeah. here because Midnight is a John Russo horror film in the style of Night of the Living Dead, and I like Midnight a lot. I'll have to like, check that. It's out. a really it's a really good film and Voodoo Dawn, which I didn't know he wrote. It used to, I think it's called it was called Strange Turf originally, and they changed it, and that was a really good kind of like. It was at the time of like like right before the um what was that Quentin Tarantino one with George Clooney? Oh, Dust of Dawn. Dust, Dust of Dawn. Dawn. It's like it's it's what gave Tarantino his like okay. his inspiration for doing that kind of style of Dust of Dawn that that kind of version of a film. So so yeah, so John Russo has done a couple good ones. Mm-hmm. He also got also directed and wrote Santa Claus. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he's got, he's, he's got some shit ones. No, 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 no. It's a, it's a B, it's a horror movie. A B movie called yeah, Santa but that's Claus. Is that more recent? Yeah, Santa Claus. So he's got a stinker in there somewhere. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what year was this? Watch it. Let's find yeah, out. We gotta watch that one. What, what year was it? 96. Um, yeah, 96. Yeah, that makes about sense because yeah. that's about his tailing. But he was an actor apparently, which mm. I didn't know. Well, that's what I'm saying. He was a night, yeah. he, he cameoed in Night, in Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, he's got a ton, yeah, he's got a ton of Acting credits for he was in Children of the Living Dead, apparently. Children of the Living Dead? Yeah, yeah the, the Living Dead you know yeah. that shit has gone. So so it's the, the Dead series, you know, is very contained six six movies yeah. done. You know, this guy yeah. made Return of the Living Dead. Yep. There's a Night of the Living Dead remake, there's Return of the Living Dead Two, there's mm-hmm. Rave of the Dead. Oh, there's Tons of it. Yeah. You know, it just keeps going. It just going. spiraled out. Yeah. And I think Dawn of the Dead is the catalyst for that. Because where Night of the Living Dead just set a precedence for <clears throat> horror film in general. Like what it could be and that what it what kind of substance it, it could have. Because before, you know, they at the time they had, you know, oh the monster from the lagoon and yeah. this is just in Truman woke up from a nap. And that got you a little bit. Yeah, a little you bit, wanna? Little bit, yeah. You let it go. I'm trying not to. You can do it. You can do it. <laughs> I think Dawn of the Dead was the catalyst for that whole well, shtick of everything's a dead now. Yeah. Like Living Dead, yeah. Walking Dead, Raising the Dead, mm. Viagra made me dead. <laughs> After that Did long it? pumping, I had no Did stamina it? anymore. This I'm old. Too old. It's hard. It's hard on your heart, man. It's hard on your heart. Not as hard as this this (laughs) Romero dialogue. (laughs) I was waiting for us to get back to it. (laughs) So, all right. So, we we touched upon everything, I Mm -hmm. think. Yes. All right. So, ratings. Ratings. All right. We'll start with. We'll start with you. What was the score again? Five, right? Well, everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Everyone has one out of five. One to five. Yeah. I would say. And halves count. One and a half, two and a half, three and a half. Okay, halves count. All right. Let's say. I want to give it a four. Four? A four based off the time frame. If I'm looking at it without the time frame and what he could have done better, I would be a three and a half. Okay. For so, me. Three and a half. So four if I take the time frame into consideration. So a great movie. So like a three point seven five. Is is where I would, I would have to go. <laughs> what did I just say, Brad? <laughs> but there was none of that. But there's the only, the, the only, the only reason because I want to give it a fair shot. Like, yeah, I got you. I got you. Know you. I, mean? I, I yeah. want to be so, fair with it. It's really for the time period a four movie. Mm-hmm. Like it's a good movie. But subjectively, subjectively, yeah. it is not. It's good in aspects and technicality and 
position in plot and positioning, but it's not good in some executions. And for that, I would dock it two points. So three point, three and a half to three three quarters. So like a really good movie. Yeah, a really good movie, yeah. but you need some work. Yeah. Uh, I give it four and a half out of five. Um, this is one of my favorite movies. Um, it is not perfect, and for all those reasons we just discussed. Um, I don't yeah. <laughs> to summarize, some of it's just a little bit hokey, some of it's just a little bit too out there, but it is still a culturally relevant film, and I think it's beautiful. So I, I, I agree with you. I, I, I give it the same score. I think I lean towards more of on the five. Yeah. Uh, just because you got you got to pepper in the the time, you know, and what it did for for zombie the zombie genre as a whole. You know, that's a that that's. You know, Night of Living Dead is the is like the base of it, you know, but like Dawn of the Dead just kicked the door open and said, This is what it is. Um But yeah, you know, looking at it, you could like or, you know, if I lived in the seventies and I, I'm me, mm. I'd probably have, you know, it take issues with certain things and give it more a four and a half. But because of the legacy that it created and all the the copycats and and homages and everything yeah. over time, I gotta give it a five. It's I to me that's it's a masterpiece of film. Okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. Yeah. All right. So, with that being said, I think we've talked these listeners' ears off long mm-hmm. enough. Mm-hmm. So, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up today. Uh, next week, we get to talk about probably my the greatest trilogy ever made, which is the Robocop franchise. <laughs> Just putting it out there. <laughs> Dude, Lord that is so much to watch between now and Lord, then. Lord of the Rings, <laughs> eat your heart out. So, tune in next week. Well, we'll be reviewing the worst films of a few specific genres that we all may be a little bit of attached to. We're going to keep it like a little mystery. Yeah. So. Yeah, I don't even know what's going to happen. (laughs) (laughs) I've got a lot of grievances. I want to speak to the manager. All right. Well, thanks for listening. And uh, we'd like to thank our producers. Yes, thank our producers. (laughs) Let's thank our producers. That's true, right? Our producers are writers, writers. writers. tech engineers. Yeah, it's uh, us. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, guys. Thanks. We have to pat ourselves on the back. Yep, yep, yep. Yep. I also like to thank payroll, which is. Us, yeah. <laughs> or, yeah. Linda from HR, sure. yeah. Linda, Linda. Yeah. Linda. She keeps telling me to stop text her, texting her. But I mean, I yeah, found her I mean, LinkedIn. She's just being coy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, what are we? That, what am I, Harvey Weinstein? Yeah. All right, we're wrapping it up. <laughs>